Hi, I'm Jesse. And I'm Forrest. And this is The Crosscut, a podcast that contextualizes the news of the week with the story themes and motifs of a treasured or spooky piece of cinema. This is actually not that spooky. It's not spooky. Not spooky. Even a little bit. (laughs) It's uh, very brightly lit (laughs) throughout the whole movie. Uh, Yeah, yeah. It definitely isn't uh, a lot of shadow happening. There's no jump scares. There's no surprises. uh, Right, Played out right on front street. There's there's nothing lurking because there are no shadows in which to lurk. Yes. Strange for a witch movie. Mm -hmm. You would think there'd be more shadows. Yeah. There were a lot of things in this movie that uh, did not meet my my expectations going in. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get into it a little bit. Um, this is one of those movies that when it came out, mm-hmm. like I saw, I think, the trailer and like some of the stills for it. And if you're just looking at the visual nature of the film, you're like, this looks great. Like they're, they're doing something interesting and, and unique and, um, you know a throwback to the old like, Technicolor stuff. Right. And, and just kind of like, I'm curious to see where this goes. Um, and we'll talk about how successful all of that was uh, as we get into it. But, um, you know, it's it certainly didn't meet with necessarily what I was expecting out of that kind of film. Yes. I mean, I would say that the whole thing kind of looks like a Lana Del Rey music video. Someone, I think, on Letterboxd had a review that was like, oh, so this is what Lana Del Rey does in her off time. <laughs> Right. Like, yeah. Right. It's, I mean, and even the actress, uh-huh. the main actress, yeah, has, Samantha Robinson. has big Lana Del Rey vibes. Sure. Um, and, and again, it's just that, that sort of throwback style, the like sort of bouffant 1950s Americana. Yes. You know. Yeah. And this, it's like 60s and 70s. Or 60s is what I meant. Yeah, sorry. Like, like um, sort of pastiche of mm-hmm. like, the, the pastels, but also there's like vibrant colors, but also big floppy hats, <laughs> which are kind of yeah. lovely. Um, well, we'll talk about like sort of all of that um, when we get into like some of how the film was made, because I think that's interesting right. a little bit. Um, but I I have no idea <laughs> what the news story is that we've paired with this. You were the one who suggested the film because you had sort of a news story chambered to get us ready for Halloween. Witches. Yeah. And so I'm really excited just to kick us off with the news for this week. Yeah, let's go ahead and get into it. Let's go. A few days after Beck Lawrence, the owner of the shop The Serpent's Key Witchery and Apothecary, was featured in a local business newsletter about tarot card readings offered by the shop, they were visited by the local Hanover police chief. He dropped by the witchcraft-themed store on October 5th to educate the owner on archaic state laws that make it illegal to predict the future for money in the state of Pennsylvania. That's interesting. So Hanover, Pennsylvania. Yes. Okay. Uh, does Pennsylvania allow gambling? Because if so, they are basically allowing betters to to predict the future. I'm curious. Um, I, I'm, I'm yeah. sure they don't, but you know, it's just just an interesting thought. Um, let me look it up. Yeah. So, so let me get this straight. There's a guy who uh, was running a a witchcraft store and apothecary, which is old timey medicines that don't work mm. and was also doing tarot card readings. So Beck, uh, yeah. uh, the Beck Lawrence yeah. is a non-binary person. 
Okay, excuse which me. Which is which is why I said yep. they. So yep. totally. Yeah. So they were doing tarot card readings, mm-hmm. and uh, the police showed up to give them a lecture <laughs> on on old school Quaker law. That <laughs> is basically it. Yes. Uh, oh, okay. So um, in Pennsylvania, all forms of gambling are illegal yeah. unless specified specifically authorized by the law so for instance okay. they have a lottery they have yeah, bingo yeah. slots table games and small games of chance are forms of gaming authorized by law got it but no sports betting so you couldn't do like we as a, a gambling institution are forecasting the patriots to win by three points you couldn't do that predict the future that way just um, just curious yeah right i mean i think that the it, but it's it's not that you are paying to use your own powers of prediction to make money off of it. The law basically says that you cannot be paid by another person to tell them their future. Ah, it would be hilarious if the police walked in to this person's uh, apothecary slash witchcraft store and said, I predict that you're going to jail pretty soon. Oh, damn it. I did it to myself. (laughs) (laughs) Only if they then followed it up with, now give me money. Oh, right. <laughs> That's a different, <laughs> different crime. Yeah. Uh, secretly, low-key, Pennsylvania, one of our worst states. Yeah, you think so? Yes. Uh, Philadelphia, lovely. Lovely city full of rich history and some just fucking crazy people. And I love crazy people. Yeah, so, but- so that's cool. But man... You get out into Pennsylvania country mm. and you get like Quakers and Amish. Yeah, and an excellent place to find a corgi. Great place to get a corgi. Bad place to deal with the people who would sell you a corgi. Man, I thought we were going to be murdered several times on that trip out to look at dogs. The farms had very Dwight Schrute's beet farm energy. Yeah, mixed with children of the corn energy. Like seriously... If they were low on meat, we could have been on the menu. Yeah, but also (laughs) Pennsylvania does have one of our best senators. That's true. Recently elected junior senator from Pennsylvania. John Fetterman. John Fetterman is a a national treasure. Seems like a lovely person. Appreciate, really, really love changing the Senate dress code because, man, we don't need all that. We are teetering on the edge of apocalypse. Please don't take the time to put on a tie. Gym shorts and a hoodie. Get your get your ass to work. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess, but I did hear somebody bring up the fact that we would have to see people's like calves if everyone were to abide by this dress sure. code. I don't want to see Mitch McConnell's calves, man. I, I don't care. First of all, he's gonna he's not gonna opt into a, a looser dress code. He's gonna do the thing he's gonna do. Um, and secondly, you're not gonna have to worry about it for much longer. That's so. true. That's true. Uh, but yeah, so the the essentially this is a, a shop. Um, that is a, I mean, is a place where you can buy all sorts of different like witchcraft related items, witchcraft themed items, candles and herbs and, and such. And they also have a menu of various tarot card readings on their website, listed on the website, um, and, and available to people that cost anywhere between 10 and a hundred dollars. And these can be done either in person or, or on zoom. Yeah. Uh, oh, I like that. Expanded yeah. out their uh, their catalog for those people who wanted to stay safe during the pandemic. Appreciate it. Love mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. That's right. And um, and so they were featured in a local 
I mean, literally like a local newsletter <laughs> newsletter uh, called the Main Street Hanover Monthly Newsletter. I love it. And it was their October <laughs> spooky season issue. All right. Right next to like which ha- Halloween films to watch this season and where to get the best pumpkin. It's just like, and here's a fun little place to get your future told. L- literally, yeah. that's all that it was. And it. the police chief of the town... I guess yeah. it was just like perusing the local newsletter, looking for people to harass. Now, uh, on the little uh, little booklet that our son brought home today mm. about what the police do in the community, which page is this on? Harassing <laughs> small business owners for antiquated laws. Is that page six, seven? What's the coloring activity he gets to do in that book? <laughs> I mean, it, witches would be a, at least, a again, like a, a Halloween-themed version of that. Right, right. No, but I, it's, it's interesting. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where this person felt particularly singled out and intimidated by law enforcement, which I totally understand, especially if you are a non-binary person. They are also quite young. Uh, They moved to Hanover in 2019 and and they're only in their like mid twenties. Yeah. So. uh, I can't imagine running your own shop in your mid twenties. Yeah. 26 years old. Wow. And runs their own shop. Good I mean, it's yeah, yeah, totally. And I've linked to their uh, sharp their shop page and their Instagram in the show notes. Uh, but they are, I mean, they they seem they seem cool, man. Like I, I would hang out with this person. I'd let them read my my tarot cards for yeah. fun. <laughs> uh, I yeah. Uh, brief brief story about tarot card reading. Okay thought it would be a fun activity when I was in high school. Uh, we were we were doing a volunteer thing at a, I want to say elementary school. Mm-hmm. And when I, I was in International Baccalaureate, you have to have a certain number of volunteer hours over the course of your time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were volunteering there to help out. And they were like, oh, put up a booth, do like an, a fun activity for kids. And I don't know who had a deck of tarot cards, but someone did. And I mm-hmm. said, great, we'll do these. We'll make something up. The kids don't know. Like, it's just going to be fun. I had never done tarot cards before. I was just good at improv. And so I could just like figure it out as we were going along. I like that the story says you're good at improv when what you mean is you were good at bullshitting. Uh, they, those are not uh, opposite things. Those are the same things. <laughs> same things. Uh, but, but like one kid comes over and <laughs> the I think the first thing I pulled up was like the hangman or something. Right. Which is just like a card with like a person just hanging from a noose. And there's one that was like death. And, yeah. and I'm just like, yeah, these cards mean you're never going to die. Okay, bye, kid. Get out of here. <laughs> Scooch. <laughs> so then I had to like peruse through the deck and remove anything that looked like dangerous or had like boobs in it or something. Uh, and then I was, I was like, this is, this is, it was a bad idea. I probably should know what I'm doing. Before you didn't look through this deck before no. you. Just... Oh, no. No, I was good at improv, bad at Foresight? planning. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Yeah. So, so, so yeah. So the police chief basically decided to go and and to to be fair to this police chief, they responded to um, the commotion because this was picked up in in like a the local like inquirer. Yeah. yeah, yeah and they responded on their Facebook page, like the official police Hanover Police Department Facebook page, and the police chief said like, "Hey, I just went in to tell them what the law is." Right. I, there is no investigation. <laughs> I just dropped in with my own time right. to let them know that they cannot 
do this and that I would have to open an investigation if I get a complaint. What I think would be interesting is couldn't you just put a sign up that says tarot card readings are for the purposes of fun and entertainment, not intended to predict the future. That is, that, that is literally, yes. <laughs> Yay, I solved the problem. <laughs> that's, what, that's what they have up. That's what uh, the, so the few places in Pennsylvania that do uh, perform these services mm-hmm. do have up, which is that they are for entertainment purposes yeah. only and not intended to predict the future. Those, that's that's exactly it. Yeah, uh, you know why I know that phrase almost exactly? Uh, because why? I watched uh, a lot of Nick at Night and Miss Cleo was a popular figure in my <laughs> young life. <laughs> right. And and so I, I, I actually get it. Yeah. You're a police officer as well. Like, you don't want to have to do more than just go in and have a quick little chat with somebody. Now, here's the thing. Uh, This person did not get uh, any additional guidance Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. on like what to do, how to sidestep whatever complaint might be happening or just, or just deal with it effectively. Yeah. If the, it just seems like if the police officer were that concerned, they could, could literally have just said, Hey, just put this sign up and and you will be fine. I just need to make sure that you know, that right. this we want to how... help you right. prevent complaints from coming in. Right. Here's how to do that. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I saw this in the New York Times. So <laughs> it was picked up by them, presumably because uh, spooky season spooky is coming season, up. Yeah, yeah. And they're they're like, what things are going on with witches right now? Right. And, and so basically this was it. And the other part of this is that it is an. I would eight. love to be on the witch beat for the New York Times. <laughs> what are witches up to right now? Give me, give me eleven months. I'll come back in October and let you know. The so the the point of the law, also. Ooh, I mean, it's got to be some old school religious stuff because of the the like deep seated like uh, conservative Christianity in the area, right? I mean, I, yes. It certainly has roots in in like yeah. nonsense, like Christian, you know, ancient, archaic Christian nonsense, yeah. right? But also, the purpose of the law and the shop owner even admits to understanding the purpose of the law in in part is also intended to protect gullible people from being ripped off by by people just trying to take their money. Mm. Okay, no, Understood. no. I mean, I get it. Uh, but it seems like this is small potatoes compared to like the other ways uh, wealthy and well-connected people uh, entice gullible people to giving them their money. Like this seems like uh, the like one percent of one percent uh, kind of crimes where it's like, wait, you know, actually, <laughs> it's like most of the pharma companies that are you know based out of Pennsylvania or the healthcare companies or whatever are doing much worse. I well, so so okay. Yes, but in 20... <laughs> That's not how improv goes. In it's 20, yes and, baby. <laughs> in 2017, 2016, there was a, a woman who pleaded guilty to four counts of fortune telling and was sentenced to 14 days, between 14 days and a year in jail. And she actually did... range. <laughs> it is. It is. She had actually a, a, a lot uh, or a big history of telling fortunes to mm-hmm. people and... Getting literally like twenty, you know, twenty seven thousand dollars out of one person by like telling their yeah, fortune and selling yeah, them yeah. candles. Yeah, and um, I am only just now realizing <laughs> that this person's alias um, it reads like her, her name is April S. You want a witch? 
<laughs> it's spelled, wait, so it's spelled U-W-A-N-A-W-I-C-H. There you go. You want a witch? You want a witch? Here I am. Yeah, there you go. Poof. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but I mean, she, she literally did take tens of thousands of dollars from just a, a handful right. of people by pretending to to provide this service like that that's fair but it's also like the drill tweet where it's like uh i need help budgeting i'm spending 30 dollars a month on netflix a hundred dollars a month on cable 50 dollars a month on food and three thousand dollars a month on candles yeah someone please help my family is starving it's like yes stop giving money to the person who's doing the thing like Mm -hmm. i i i you should not take advantage of stupid people but also at a certain point, mm-hmm. like th- th- we have so many other things to prioritize in terms of the law, like a, a sheriff coming around to like check on, knock on the doors of a tarot card reader mm-hmm. is some small potatoes. A hundred percent agree. That's something you should know, Pennsylvania. What, what do they sell potatoes? They grow potatoes, right? I mean, it's America. Everybody grows potatoes I just think in everyone in Pennsylvania is a farmer. <laughs> I'm starting to beef. I'm not from you. I don't know why you have like such a, yeah, I don't know what you're so upset about Pennsylvania for. Western Pennsylvania scares the (laughs) shit out of me. But, but yeah, so, I mean, I, I guess I get it, but also to your point, the, the, the law itself, kind of every law that we have against witchcraft and kind of every person that is claims to be yeah. against witchcraft feels like it is rooted in uh, either it, like big amounts of racism or big amounts of misogyny or a combination of the yeah. two. Or and now you know, just throw some like anti-trans stuff in there, probably like if you're a non-binary person uh, or a trans person and also into Wicca or whatever. Right. Like it makes sense that they can use one to sort of skirt the edges of the other and be like, oh, we can, you know, this thing makes people uncomfortable and we can use that as a backdoor to like a, a attack you. It as is a, a way to other. Yeah, yeah. It is a way to persecute somebody who is outside of the, the generally accepted norms of society. Yeah. And it, whether that be uh, because they are native person mm-hmm, yep. or because they have brought culture over from the country that they were literally yeah. stolen from in right. Africa when they were enslaved and brought over, yeah. right? Or whether they are just a woman who is a little uppity right. and <laughs> kind of has a, yeah. you know, kind of has a, a mouth on her. Right. But uh, in no way, shape or form would a police officer ever go into a church hmm. and say, oh, you're performing some kind of witchcraft by providing the sacrament, which is of course the blood and body of Christ mm-hmm. uh, to your parishioners. And you're forecasting the future by saying that if they tithe 10% of their salary as in give you money, they will find seats at the foot of the Lord when they die and go to heaven. Well, okay. So, and and this was actually a big part of what was criticized for mm-hmm. this news article or not this news, for the, for the action, which was that it, it did feel very much like religious persecution because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to the um, April S. Yawana witch, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think that this was, I, I, I don't imagine that this was something that was like a deeply rooted belief of hers, sure, although sure, sure. who knows, but I, it does at least feel like Beck Lawrence is someone who has deep seated 
beliefs and values in what it is that they're doing. Right. And it does feel very much like this is a sincerely held religious belief, right? right? And so at this point, what is the difference between somebody coming in and saying, I'm going to give you money so that you can so that you can tell me about what's going on with my, you know, with my loved ones and my future versus somebody going into a church and saying, I'm going to make a donation to your church yeah. and you will bless me. Or I'm going to say 10 Hail Marys and you will absolve me of my sin so that I can ascend. Sure. But yeah. I mean, if the, if, the, if it's about money it's about exchanging, money. Yeah, sure, then sure. it's, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to get, put money in this basket that's going around yeah. and you are going to wave your hands in front of me. I'm going to drink some blood and then I'm going to be blessed by your gods. Yeah. Right. Spirits. And yeah. the, 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 your God, the ghost and, and his yeah. uh, son, sun God. Yeah. Right. So like, those are, why are those different things? Mm -hmm. But it, one is mainstream yeah. and one is something that's smaller that you can kind of harass and intimidate. Yeah. So, uh, we have insulted both Christianity and Pennsylvania today. Maybe I, also Wiccans. I am not going to ever get elected to national office. Although that was probably not the thing that broke the camel's back. Also no. not rich, no, which no, is a no. big part of it. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I think it makes a ton of sense, um, to look at this at, at broadly, right. To say, how would this action play out if it were, if a police officer showed up to a mosque, showed up to a, a church, showed up to a, uh, a temple, whatever, like w w what would happen if they used the same form of, you know, interpretation of the law mm -hmm. to, to provide a warning to something that, ha to some institution that had more power, more support backing it up, more people, mm -hmm. more parishioners, et cetera. Not just, not just a store, but like, you know, a religious body. And I think that is, is a useful thought experiment. Right. And, and the answer is probably not a lot if it's a Christian religion. Which wouldn't do it. Yeah. And, and maybe something if it's a non-Christian religion. Yeah. Um, but who knows? Anyways, it's, yeah. It, all this to say, um, the final, the, the, the officer did end their post by saying, Hey, I, essentially, I am just following. I'm just letting this person know what the law is. Mm -hmm. If you have a problem with the law, that's not my department. I suggest mm -hmm. that you call your representative and have them change the law. Yeah. You know who else was just following orders, Officer McSuch and such? Was it the Love Witch? The fucking Nazis. Oh. Sorry. But uh, no, the Love Witch wasn't following orders. She was kind of doing her own thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but th that does lead us to... The movie mm. that we're talking about for today is uh, 2016's The Love Witch. Uh, so just to to start off with a little bit of basics on the film, uh, the um, titular Love Witch is mm. played by the actress Samantha Robinson. Um, the film was written and directed by Anna Biller. Um, and not only did she write and direct the film, she was also the production designer, the costume designer, the set decorator, the art director, and in charge of editing. My goodness. Yes. It took her like seven years to make this movie, to be to be fair. So I want to acknowledge how hard it is mm -hmm. to make a movie, especially an independent film, especially one with this level of like genuine visual artistry mm -hmm. that went into creating, crafting, and, and putting on screen um, this visual detail. Like it, it's not like you can just grab your, you know, Canon and like handheld, throw it on a little fake steady cam 
and just shoot your friends walking around the streets, right? Right. This is like legit hard work to make something look this good. The, and it looks great. It, and, it looks and, beautiful. And it's a very good facsimile for those like 60s and 70s Technicolor, um, what, what at the time were like exploitation films or were... I don't know, like 60s kind of um, sex pot art films, whatever they were, like it definitely had that that pastiche, that vibe, right? Right. So uh, full marks for all of that stuff. Now, was this person also the writer? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Writer, director, and, and everything else. Okay. The one thing I will note uh, also in terms of visual styling, um, I just wanted to call it the cinematographer, um, M. David Mullen, uh, the reason I will call that out only is because uh, he was also a cinematographer on Westworld. So think about all the period costumes that exist that were in, in Westworld period, like Western style uh, filmography or like uh, cinematography. Yeah. Um, was a cinematographer on Mad Men and a cinematographer on The Marvelous Miss Maisel. Mm-hmm. So you're looking for someone to emulate period style camera work. Right. This guy can do it. So good hiring, good work by Anna Byler or Biller, excuse me. Um, I think, you know, the, the technical aspects of the film are pretty remarkable. And that's what drew me to the film initially, right? Just sort mm-hmm. of seeing um, the stills, seeing the trailer, like all that stuff. I, at the time the film was launched or released, I worked at VHX. Um, this film was an oscilloscope film released by the, the company Oscilloscope. And we had a, uh, they they used our VOD platform to sell their videos online. Really VOD quickly. Is, is video on demand. Yeah. yeah. So I was going to say for for anybody who is somewhat new to the podcast or doesn't know, uh, VHX was an online, a, a startup that did online video platform for VOD, which is video on demand. So yep. basically uh, sell their own movies or sell their own videos or sell, sell access to digital versions of it. Exactly. So if you were a filmmaker, you could upload your film, sell it directly. If you're a distributor, like Oscilloscope is, um, you can acquire the rights to films and upload them to your website. We would power the website, power the payments and all that kind of stuff and the right. video experience. So like and a- then now they've moved on to, they, they've been acquired since by Vimeo mm-hmm. and now have a um, subscription platform that you can like, Build your own Netflix or whatever. So anyway, that, that that is kind of how I came to know this film, um, is that it was hosted on our platform yeah. and we, you know, could sort of see the trailer, we just kind of knew it was there, and it, it got some buzz, right? It got some some sort of um viral marketing okay. a little bit. And so because we were, you know, associated with oscilloscope, we followed what they did, heard about the marketing of the film. Um, it came out and this date should probably sound familiar to you. Mm. Uh, the release to, it was a limited release, never got a wide release, but limited release in theaters was November the 11th, 2016. Eek. Yes. Well, okay. <laughs> I mean, I know November of 2016 was a bad time. Yes. I don't remember the specific dates. I feel like it was like November 9th or something was like the end of the world. That's right. That, yeah. that is correct. So this, it, it basically hit theaters right after the election of a certain individual who will not name, but I'm sure you can figure it out. We all know. Um, and so given the intended themes of the film, right. like this was just a powerful time for stories related to um, the, the power of women, feminism, and, and the role that women have in, in modern society. Right. So it's kind of hit at an interesting time. Yeah, um, women rising up and murdering men. Yeah, or at least just hoping. <laughs> 
<laughs> just, Fingers crossed. I'm yeah. going to cast a spell. <laughs> yeah. Just, just, just hoping that something works. Right. Yeah. Um, and so because of that, I think that the dumbest thing I could do would be to pontificate on the effectiveness of the feminist message in this film and how that relates to things like plot, narrative structure, acting, whatever. Well, so on a similar note, yeah. really quickly, in 2017, somebody that we have already mentioned that is a, a, a singer um, did actually uh, make news for trying to cast a spell on Donald Trump. Okay. Uh, Lana Del Rey. Oh. <laughs> you know what? I appreciate it, Lana. I, you know, good intentions <laughs> or so, bad intentions. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. So she basically, um, she said she tried to like hex him. And when she was asked about it, she she said, quote, yeah, I did it. Why not? Look, I do a lot of shit. I mean, hey, <laughs> hey, who, whom amongst us doesn't do a lot of shit? <laughs> I mean, it's right. fine. So she, and she said, like, I'm in line with Yoko and John in the belief that there is a power to the vibration of thought. You, okay. Your thoughts are very powerful things and they become words and words become actions and actions lead to physical changes. Shout out. I don't disagree with that in the practical sense. Right. In the In the like, you know, I can pee and put a tampon inside of a jar sense. Like, don't know about that. Sure, sure. Uh, but, but I mean, given her aesthetic sensibilities, maybe Lana Del Rey watched this and, and I'm, said, I'm, yeah. hey, I'm a hex. Some other men in my life. Yeah. Sound, sounds like, I mean, she she probably watched this for style uh, guide purposes. I don't know if she watched this for, I don't know if she internalizes music or like movies, you know, in, in the same way as most people. It's possible. She does a lot of shit. She does a lot of shit. Uh, I've spoken from her own mouth. Uh, <laughs> but yes, so um, I'm not going to say that I'm the authority on this. I, I will give my experience with the film, but more than anything, mm -hmm. uh, given that I have a wonderful, intelligent, uh, and female co-host, oh. <laughs> uh, I would like to start with what are, what are your thoughts on the film? And we can start high level. Like, like, did you enjoy the film? Did you find it to be uh, a good representation of feminism? Like what, what, what do you, I mean, you don't have to like, you know, provide some edict I, on the whole thing, but I'm just um, curious about your thoughts. I found it to be a pretty, okay, mm, big, big picture, big yeah. uh, compliment sandwich. I really, <laughs> I, I, I really did enjoy the aesthetics of yeah. it, right? And, and I, I, I enjoyed s seeing what it was that they were aiming for. I, I think at one point I was looking at it and I, I just typed out, is this camp? It's a good question. That's a good question. Yeah. You know, I feel like they are really going for something campy mm -hmm. um, in a lot of what it is that they're doing, especially early on when you're first put into this world and you see the way that they are interacting and talking. And, and I think the two main women that are talking to each other and how they talk to each other, it feels very much like the main character Um is is just a, a performance yes. of femininity. I, I think that it's a, I don't know that it's a very good representation of feminism per se, just right. because you have women killing men. Um, I, I think that she even says, you know, just give them what they want. Right. I mean, that, that, you is, know? that is the common framing from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie 
of the main character. Right. The main character's entire being is wrapped up in this idea that she needs a man to complete her. She needs a man in order to feel in love. She needs this man to be strong. And she also needs to make herself whatever version of fantasy that this man needs in order to be this idealized version. Mm -hmm. And so- and in order for him to be happy and thus for her to be happy. Right. I, I just, I, I, I don't know if that, maybe that's the opposite of the message I'm supposed to be taking, but it felt like that was the message I was supposed to be taking away yeah. from this. And only because she's the, she's the protagonist. Right. right. Yeah. And, um, I, I just, there, there didn't seem to be anything at the end to really contradict that message. Yes. That is, that is what I took away. Yeah. And, and, and I, I actually like one of the things that, so I, I looked up a bunch of interviews right. with the, the writer director. So one, one quote she said that I think is probably correct, but like didn't play out in the movie is she says, you have to present the stereotype in order to deconstruct them. It seems so obvious that that's what I'm doing in my work, but it's so often misunderstood. Mm-hmm. And I, I, my thought there is just like, you definitely presented the stereotypes. Right. You did that part for sure. But I did not feel either in the characterization or the plot that you did any of the deconstruction. Right. Like I don't I don't feel like there was anything where there was a turn, right? Like right. something was presented in one way, shown to be sort of the false uh, you know, solution, and then you have to recover from the the downswing from that false solution and f- arrive at like what happens when you deconstruct the stereotype? It never happened. That, that didn't happen. Right. How did the How did the movie end? She killed that dude in the bed. Right. And then that was, the was that was just kind of, that was kind and, of and it. You right? even said you, and that's it. Like that yeah. was your, your final movie. I was trying to remember. Yeah. I mean, I know that that like so yeah. So I mean, she doesn't ever see any repercussions for her actions. Now you do get the sense that the you know the law is on her heels, but she still ends up just murdering a bunch of dudes. And, and I mean, I guess maybe like the, maybe the takeaway is, well, she did try to give herself over and do the ultimate of everything in order to find love. And whatever this version is of trying to find love was unsuccessful. Yeah. If we're trying to be generous about the message at the end, like she, she certainly didn't end up in a happy relationship. Yeah. She didn't end up fulfilled at the end of the movie. No. And in fact, the beginning, like she ends up kind of in the same place at the end of the movie where she was at the beginning. Right. In the beginning of the movie, she was fleeing San Francisco uh, because she had been in a relationship with uh, uh, her husband at the time. And he did not love her enough and died under mysterious circumstances. Right. And she moves to Eureka, California, which is 270 miles north, closer to Oregon. And all of the events in the movie happen. And then she leaves from there being the same person. And I think maybe that's kind of it is there didn't really seem to be any character that experienced any kind of growth or change. Yeah. And I think you can do that in a movie. That's not like off, like you don't have to have the hero's journey in every film. Right. But there needs to be some point. I think you're making at least thematically or, um, you know, like tactically, like something has to change, right? Someone's right. life has to be affected and not just like leaving a spree of bodies, 
behind you. Right. And, I'm, and that's what I'm saying. By accident, like, basically. She is, yeah. And I'm not saying that she had to have the hero's journey. I'm just saying literally nobody yeah. changed, nobody, except yes. that some people were dead. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But nobody, none of the other witches yeah. changed their ways. Yeah. I mean, if, if if anything, the only other person who maybe changed their view was the wife of that that one guy, her neighbor. Yeah. And yeah. she was like, maybe I should be more like you. Yeah, maybe I should literally take over your personality and put on your makeup and your wig and your underwear. Yeah. And 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 maybe you've got it all figured out. Yeah. Like that was kind of the only Which is and then and then like which would sort of speak the opposite of what I think the movie was trying to say. Right. Yeah. It's it's really hard. So I, I in another interview um, Anna Biller says the big question is what would happen if men loved women as strongly as women want them to, uh, the way women crave to be loved by men, men are known for being much less emotional than women, but in my experience, they are much more emotional and that's why they won't or can't open that gate. It would destroy them. And that's what kills all the men in my movie, having the, having to experience their own feelings. And so I feel like there's a... Yeah. There's a, a a point that she's making in the individual scenes of that. Mm-hmm. Like when she gives someone the potion and right. convinces them to love her or whatever it is. And that ends up, you know, poisoning them or at least opening in maybe in this you know parlance, opening them to emotions they didn't know they could experience. And that sort of dooms them. Um, I think that that's an interesting idea. But it's not really connected to anything in the movie. And it's certainly not like played out as like, but what happened, like what would be interesting is Mm -hmm. if that happens to two characters in the movie, but the third character is a guy who's like actually in touch with his emotions and does understand and feel like, and and they they kind of allude to that with the police officer guy or something like that. But like, they just say that he's strong enough. That that's kind of it, right? Strong enough to be your man. Um, Yes, exactly. Very Shania vibes. That's right. I, I think that, I, yeah, I interrupted you, sorry. No, no, all I was going to finish with was just like, it did not seem as though, if if that's what she was trying to do, that she was able to do it outside of a few minor scenes mm-hmm. and, and, and connected to a larger theme of the film. Right. I think that it's an interesting juxtaposition to, I, I guess, almost this sort of now third movie in a row of, uh, of, gender yeah or where like where where gender is is explored in interesting ways obviously we did fight club yeah right and then wolf of wall street we had considered potentially as we were looking at it we were saying this could have also been a discussion masculinity. of masculinity 100 yep. right and so this is now our third movie in a row that that has an interesting look at what masculinity looks like and, yeah. and how um dangerous this idea of traditional masculinity is for men yeah yeah. And so I, I guess I do see that I see her point in a way, but again, there was nothing to show what it could be or should be. And instead it poses this hypothesis that men are too emotional, mm-hmm. but there's nothing that that seems to like that's that's it right there's no there's no conclusion there's no um recommendation or proposal of like what things should be but i don't even need that so much right as like i just need it to be not dramatically inert 
Like I need there to be stakes and I don't care if any of these men die. I don't care if she gets away, if she gets caught. Mm -hmm. And like, there was no point that I gave a shit about anybody in this movie for any reason or wanted to see them do anything. Yeah. Like that's the heart. That's the thing. Like I didn't, if she, like if she sat down to tea and crumpets with her friend, whose husband she had fallen in love with her and then he killed himself. Like, I didn't care. Like, it seems like, oh, she's kind of a bad person for doing that. Mm -hmm. But then, like, the friend turns out to also have been, like, kind of a weirdo. And then, like, the husband was kind of a weirdo. And, like, nobody had any kind of clear personality or, like, anything to them. I Yeah, I would say that maybe my biggest critique yeah. of this film is that it it just, the, the third act did not wrap up in a way that felt satisfactory and did not wrap up in a way that felt like it was putting a period on whatever statement was trying to be made. But I would also say, I would say that's because there's no, there's nothing in the first two acts. Like the first act is set up so fine, whatever, but there's no elevating of stakes or like, we're not, this is like, okay, she's responsible for a couple of murders, right? So this could be a crime story. Right. Could be the police investigating and getting closer to her while also being in love with her. And that sort of thriller nature could be brought into this film, but it wasn't. Right. Um, but I'm, but that's yeah. what I'm saying is like the third act, if you took another pass at it yeah. and, and tried to do it from that perspective of saying, we have all of these pieces that have been put on the board. Now, how do we wrap them up in a way that both is compelling and also makes the point that we're trying to make? Like there yeah. are, there are doors that have been opened that I think could do that. I guess, but like we didn't, they, they didn't even, if the door was open, it was the door to a house that wasn't built. Like they didn't build the house in the middle of the film so that they could then satisfactorily wrap it up at the end. Um, and I think it's just like, I don't, it didn't feel to me like the movie knew what it was trying to do with the pastiche that it created. Right. If that makes sense. I guess to me, you know, like the the the, the determining moment really could have been when the the officer boyfriend comes in the next day and he's confronted by his 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 yeah. uh, partner yeah. or whatever and he suddenly the the scales fall from his eyes because he is in touch with his feelings and he is away from her you know whatever and and he actually comes to some kind of a realization that he needs to bring her to justice, right? right? I think that the pieces were there all the way until the third act. And he just, he, she, she went a different way with it. But I, I think that the, the pieces that you're talking about really were there to set up this like final guy who could have been immune to whatever it was that she was putting his, her way and yeah. to set up some tension yeah. for them to have some kind of big resolution that meant something at the end. Yeah. And we just didn't take that turn. Yeah. I think, I mean, maybe you're right. I think it's just probably, I needed more of that police officer guy in the first two acts sure. to, to build up that, you know, the final act. Like he was just kind of on the periphery until, you know, the Renaissance fair that they randomly <laughs> went to, by the way, the most common criticism of this film yeah. is that it is too long. Yeah. Um, it is two hours and probably should be about 80 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's fair. Um, I think that's probably true. I think also so much of it is, um, one of my big problems is I think I asked at a certain point, like what year is this supposed to take place mm -hmm. in? Like, and that that's indicative of a larger problem. Right. So if you are doing a, like pastiche, right? If you're doing a, a satire, 
And I don't know that she was doing a satire. She says, um, she says, I never said I wasn't doing satire. I said I wasn't making parodies of old movies. I don't, that's kind of trying to have your cake and eat. It's like it's doing two things. And I'm like, no, but if you're doing satire, then you should be in the world of the old movie, right? So think about like uh, Blazing Saddles to use the best possible version of this, right? A, a movie in the 1970s playing off of the 1950s style, like John Wayne Westerns, right? Mm-hmm. Or... Think about like Black Dynamite. I don't, I don't know if you've seen that, but it's one of the best, uh, you know, sort of of this referential parodies. Doing black exploitation films from the seventies, did it in the aughts, and it was just fantastic. About like I'm going to use the style, cinematography, the acting, language of that time, but I'm going to turn it on its head and make jokes out of it. And this didn't do that. It definitely did use the visuals of the era, mm-hmm. as we mentioned, like to great effect but never played on those to be humorous or played on those to be like incisive about what people thought at that time and contrast it to this time. Like, I don't think it ever did that really. I guess I'm thinking of the Kill Bill films. And and because in the beginning of the film, she's driving in the car and looks a lot like Kill Bill. That's a a little different only because those are pulling from a lot of different types of um, influences that that, those are more like revenge-o-matic films, but also from the 70s, also similar pastiche. So, yeah. Right. I mean, and uh, but it it didn't seem like it was necessarily making any kind of like comedic point. Exactly. When it brought those in either. Yeah. Right. And, And instead we call it homage. And, and I think that, you know, when Tarantino does it or or when um, it was done by Mel Brooks or, or whomever, the point is to say something about today by making fun of or referencing or paying homage to the past. And this kind of does that without saying anything about those differences, at least not in any real way. If anything... It seems like it was in deference to the roles of men and women in the 60s. It's like the the love witch, the protagonist, was like, women must be the, you know, sort of sexual property of men. You must give to your man what he wants all the time. Like, whatever. Right. Um, and, and she wasn't necessarily portrayed as, like, villainous. She wasn't portrayed as good. It just kind of left you, it left it ambiguous. And so it felt strange from a filmmaker's perspective to like not have a take on that. But the other thing is like, if you're going to do that, right. Mm -hmm. If you're going to say, we're going to do a straight sort of remake, not remake, but like we're going to use the nature of those films. Right. Right. The sixties and seventies films, Technicolor classics, exploitation films. Um, We can just do a straight version of it. Right. It doesn't have to be parody or satire or, or whatever. We can just use the filmmaking style and then do it as a modern update, right? Ty West is the one that I would recommend for like people who are looking for horror versions of this. The House of the Devil is a, a new version of a 1970s style horror film with the pacing, with the camera work, all of that stuff down to a T. Um, his film X is similarly like a grindhouse style. He's doing those um, things as ways to pay homage to the past, while still updating the stories for the modern day, while still making things interesting and entertaining. Um, I think like someone on a review that I read said, if The Love Witch had come out in 1964, it would be something we'd look back on and be like, oh, this was interesting, while people were still figuring out how to do filmmaking. Right. Um, but right now, it's like, it's if it's 2016 and this film comes out, we know better how to make films that are more compelling. This is not interesting as a experiment. 
and it's not interesting as a film. Like it's just, it's it, it, my biggest complaint is that it, the movie was boring. Yeah, I mean, I think that it feels like, to your point, there should be a reason. Yes, that you choose that specific time period to visually reference, mm-hmm. and instead, all we got was vibes as the reason. Right. The reason was because it looks great. Yeah, that's right. And and that that's just not enough to carry a two-hour movie. Nope, not even a little bit. So, and, and also, yeah. like, not only does it look great, but doesn't, like, you have the plot or whatever. I'm okay with, like, the plot's kind of all over the place or doesn't exist or whatever. But I, I would then, like, set pieces that are, like, bizarre, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if she gets some really, like, trippy, you know... Um, 60s style like acid sequence or something that's like really visually engaging or striking. Right. Fine. Throw that in there. Be wild with it. But so many scenes in this movie were just like two women sitting across the table talking to each other for six minutes, but not advancing a plot, not evolving their characters, not having interesting conversations, not making like... Yeah. Commentary. Like it just wasn't, it was just boring. Or, or if anything, any kind of commentary that we were supposed to infer was just explicitly said. Yeah. So when they're sitting at the table the second time and, and she says, what's interesting is the la- the first time that we sat here, uh, you didn't have love and you were jealous of me. Right. And I was the one that had a ring and now you have a ring and I'm jealous of you. Right. And it felt like, like we know. Yeah, we were supposed to get that on our own. Yep. You didn't have to say that. Yeah. You didn't have to put that into a whole monologue. Right. It it seems like again, it just it's trying to be very smart, but then doesn't give the audience the respect to assume that we're gonna be smart enough to keep up. Right. And like, yeah, and but that's also like <laughs> a small little thing that's indicative of like a larger, I think, sort of concern from the filmmaker, which is I have to explain the small things because right. I don't have a big thing to say that people can right. latch onto. And so if I connect these small things, it seems like I have some grand scheme and I, I don't. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I, 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 I think the only other final thing that I'll say, just because we're talking about witchcraft, is the this also is a really bad representation yeah. of like Wicca. That was the last thing I was going to bring up. I actually looked at a lot of people who um, reviewed the film from a perspective of like, we practice, like we we are Wiccan. It seems really offensive to and, people. And, and, it's, and it's like, Wiccan. you just use this for the visuals, for the like, the spooky of it all or whatever. Right. You know, but you didn't like do any research into what any of this stuff actually is. It's almost like, you know, you're doing an episode of Bewitched. It's not this isn't how any of this goes. So. Right. And, and, and Wicca, because, and, and I think that the sort of tragedy of, of, of all of that is that Wicca is a religion mm-hmm. that I, I think that the vast majority of the practitioners are women yeah, and is something that pays deference to a female spirit and to a sisterhood and to strength. And what you see this entire time is this lone woman who is, who is pitting herself against all the women around her in order to chase this idea of a man. Mm -hmm. And it, 
it goes against, I think, a lot of the internal feminism of Wicca and of, as well as does not really bring in anything about the respect for life and for nature and for people that Mm -hmm. you also get in, in the religion. Yes. Um, I think that's, that is incredibly fair. I will also bring up one last point. Yeah. Um, based off of some tweets from Sarah Billar. Oh, you just took a deep breath. Like, Oh no. (laughs) Anytime I reference a tweet, it's like, this is going to be a bad (laughs) idea. Uh, like she had one where she said like in ancient Rome, uh, women were the property of men in 1969, uh, women's sexuality was the property of men's sexuality. And in 2018, there are no more women or women do not exist because what? apparently Sarah Villar has some turf in her. Oh no. So that there, there's been a lot of criticism of this film around the ideas of gender essentialism. Yeah. That's also not surprising. Not surprising. And around the idea that she, um, is that wave of feminism that will show up to the women's March, um, wearing her pink hat and not support uh, trans women. Right. I mean, well, she's literally got pink hats in this film. I, I think also the, um, it's not surprising. Again, when you're, when you are saying, here's what I, here's what I think of men. I think that men just hold all their feelings inside yeah. and that they're actually more emotional than women. And again, you're just, you're painting all men with this brush that yeah. is just, it, it is just not true. And for anybody who hasn't listened to our episode on masculinity, yeah. you know, like I, neither of us is that gender essentialist that believes yeah. that all gender, you know, all people right. of one gender or the other have certain specific characteristics yep. and traits. Yep. And uh, to, clo- to close out with a, a uh, quote from her that uh, bothered me you know, the most of all, I would say. Right. It's a a nice pithy quote, but a bad one. Uh Uh, Feminism, according to her, feminism is, after all, a boner killer. Yikes. And my my belief is that if you are the kind of person who thinks that asserting your equality means that men will not be able to obtain an erection, you are dealing with the wrong men. And you also have terrible ideas about what men are actually looking for. Right. Uh, Anyway, uh, I will very briefly go through the critical response Mm -hmm. to the film. This is what baffles me the most. Okay. This film uh, on critics, with 130-something critics on Rotten Tomatoes, is at 95% positive on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. This is one of the things that indicates Rotten Tomatoes does well, not work. And that's what I was going to say. <laughs> that that so and and I recently heard an episode of another podcast that is going away. It's their last episode. This this week is uh the podcast Into It with Sam Sanders. Mm-hmm. And he I, I think recently had somebody on that was talking about Rotten Tomatoes yeah. and their uh just completely messed up. Yeah. rating system. And and basically it's just a binary, right? Of do you recommend or not recommend yeah. this film? If everybody uh, gave a movie or if 95% of people gave a movie three out of five stars, that doesn't mean that it's a 60% movie. It means that those are all positive reviews and therefore it's a 95. Uh, right. Yeah. I mean, you could have 95% of people thought that it was uh, uh, slightly better than a coin, right. a coin flip. Yeah. Right. And, yep. and if you just have, you know, um, 
if you have 110 reviews and 100 of them are small-time reviewers or indie reviewers that either were paid or encouraged to put their review on there and they they basically said like okay i give this three out of five stars yeah. then that counts as a one right, right which counts towards their overall goal i also think there's something else about this and this is admitted by the filmmaker herself she was quoted as saying as soon as the election happened the reviews became very different from what they had been before they talked about the character and her situation as if they were something current and relevant which they hadn't done before then they started calling her the love witch hashtag nasty woman you know grab her by the pussy jokes people became more conscious that this movie's ideas were relevant now rather than seeing it as some little fun retro thing and those scenes toward the end at the bar with the near rape and the crowd shouting burn the witch that all feels pretty trumpian all of a sudden so like cannot uh separate a film right from the context in which you view it um but i do think that there was probably something to be said about the place that we were as a society right and place we were in as a society when this film came out and what that meant for just this massive uh critical reception and i'll just just a point of comparison the lead actress samantha robinson has been credited in three films this is one of them the most recent one is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, directed by Quentin Tarantino. Right. Uh, Samantha Robinson's highest rated film is The Love Witch. Her lowest rated film is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood at 85%. Okay. Like, this is this movie is, like, quibbles aside. Like, I didn't, you know, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood wasn't my favorite Tarantino or anything. But it was better than this. Right. This movie, um, I, I've tried to be you know, fair and, and, and open to interpretations of why people would like it and what would make someone want to watch it. To me, uh, I was so disappointed. I, I really thought this film was You were was very be, excited about I was like, yes, I've been meaning to watch this. Movie. I really wanted to see it. I think it's going to be great. I love the look. I love the style. All that stuff. It's going to be amazing. We started watching it and I was bored to tears and I was so bored that I got angry. Yeah. I was like, what are you doing? Just have one other person look at this. Get a, hire a fucking editor. Right. Like, I, um, and so I just got very um, upset mm -hmm. with how this film betrayed the expectations I had for it in a way that was not like, oh, I'm you're subverting my expectations. It was in a way that like, you didn't do the work. <laughs> There's homework to be done in making a movie and you right. just didn't do it on the writing and editing side of it. So uh hard pass from me what are your thoughts dear well i was trying to be really nice until i found out this lady's a turf in which <laughs> case like fuck her yeah so. um for anybody who doesn't know what a turf is really quickly and, and we don't need to go into it too much so a turf is turf is spelled t-e-r-f it's short for trans exclusionary radical feminist and it is a person who claims to be a feminist, but only for what they de deem as legitimate, quote unquote, real women. And so what that means then is that they do not include trans people in their definition of women, and in fact, are often very anti-trans. Some, some TERFs will tell you, um, oh, I, I support trans people, but they're not women. And the right. argument that a TERF will make is that a trans woman, which is an, which is just a woman, is impeding on the 
female space and devaluing the definition and the uh, sanctity of what we call a woman, a woman, and is therefore devaluing a woman. It's a, it's almost, it's a very similar argument to, um, we can't have, um, we can't have gay marriage because it inherently by including gay marriage in the definition of marriage, we devalue mm-hmm. marriage, yeah, right? Yeah. It's a, it's a similar argument. Yeah. And, and in both cases, fuck that. Right. Other people being included in something does yeah. not devalue my stance within that group. Right. And, and another famous turf, probably the most famous one at this point is J.K. Rowling, yeah. who is the writer of the Harry Potter films and books or whatever. Yeah. And so um, I, I think that this idea of, of being a turf and, and excluding being anti-trans is incredibly dangerous and um, is something that is especially popular in Europe and in, in Britain, but it's also, I mean, huge over here as well. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a, um... But it's more from the conservative side. It's a conservative right wing ideology. Yeah, I mean, I guess the final thing that I'll, I will also say about turfs generally is just that it is, it is, it is a similar thing to how, you know, we don't have polarities within politics, mm-hmm. but it's more of a horseshoe, right? Where yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. Where it you have conservatives who are anti-trans yeah. because of their religion or religious beliefs or because they're just bigots. Right. Yeah. And, and so they are, they are so extreme that they are anti-trans. They, but, they see it as a, a group that they can demonize in order to gain votes uh, for or against. So like yeah, that, yeah. Or they just don't understand it and they, right. they fear it and they hate it like the yeah. whole X-Men thing. Right. But uh, there's also the, but then you have people on the far left and that's what turfs are people yeah. who are on the far left and they have gone so extreme in their beliefs that they have come to the same conclusion as those conservatives who are anti-trans. Right. And it's a similar thing to having people who are anti-vax and yeah, they are, are so like hippies, but they're anti-vax. But they're yeah. they're yeah, they're hippies and they're crunchy, but they are so crunchy and so hippie that they have come to the same conclusion yeah. as all of the MAGA folks on yeah. the right who are also anti-vax. And it's like, guess what? Uh you sh- you should if you find yourself on the same side as those folks, yeah. you should really reevaluate the choices and beliefs that you have in life and why you've come to those decisions. Yeah. Because is not a good is not a good look. It's, it's a bad place to be. And yep. um so so yeah. So anyways, um no, fuck this movie, fuck this lady. <laughs> I was trying to be nice before, yeah. but but please don't watch this movie. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh so let's see. In this episode we have pissed off Pennsylvania. Yeah. Uh we've pissed you, off you pissed the, off as yeah, as the, the, the British, uh <laughs> at least the, the right wing of the British, but right. also some of the leftists in the British, I guess. Uh we've pissed off uh, Wiccans. <laughs> Maybe very possibly. Hope, hopefully we recovered, you know. And, hopefully not. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't trying I was trying to be very no, respectful we were, of yeah, Wiccans. We're being, we're, being, we're being cool. Um But and, Christians. Yeah, Christians, I mean probably they, all religions. Uh, to be fair with you, um if you're Christian, you've been listening to the podcast this long. Um, you you have to have a pretty thick skin. If this is your first episode, boy, sorry about that. <laughs> um, but you know, you know, live and learn. Uh, probably piss again, off the police. N- not trying to be offensive to Christians because I, I I think that it's it's more just a drawing the juxtaposition within yeah. the law of yeah. uh, against what you see with these laws that are anti witchcraft. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. 
Well, on that, yeah. uh, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, apologies, we missed a, pr- a pre-show episode last week. Yeah, We talked about it several times being, oh, we got to do that. And then we just didn't. And so we didn't. But uh, we'll get there next week. We don't know what we're doing for our next uh, episode yet. But we will do a pre-show so that you can watch the movie in advance. If you do decide to watch this piece of shit movie, it is on uh, Peacock. Yeah. But don't. Save yourself some time. Go watch one of the Ty West films. Go watch The House of the Devil. Go watch X. Go watch Pearl. Uh, go watch Blazing Saddles if you haven't seen it. By For the love of God. One of the greatest <laughs> movies ever made. I... In in retrospect, I think as I, after as I was watching this film, I was just like, maybe it's better that we didn't give people a heads up to go watch it. Before yeah, <laughs> it was all a plan. It was all a plan. Um, yeah. So thank you everyone for listening. We'll see you later. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, follow us on Instagram at the Crosscut Pod. Um, the end. We love you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>